Welcome to the Black History Toolkit podcast with Abu Bakr Madden Al Shabazz. Support the channel by subscribing and also making a donation via Patreon or buy a cup of coffee on Kofi. See the links below. You can also find out more by visiting the website abubakamadan.me. We're going to do a look at abolition and emancipation. I wanted to understand the resistant movements from approximately 1807 to 1865. 1807 is when they passed the Abolition of the Slave Trade Act, not slavery. So when they passed the slave trade, it was to stop trading Africans in the New World. They still kept slavery. Slavery ended so-called in the Caribbean islands approximately 1833-1834, supposedly. America didn't end theirs until 1865 and that was after the American Civil War. So I'm going to combine the African-Caribbean experience with the African-American experience from a historical perspective. Let's look at the Haitian Revolution because the Haitians is the most successful republic, independent black republic, that uh, came out of slavery. The Maroons begin to establish uh, an array of hope for all slaves all over the island. So in, eight, in, the, in, in the 1730s, in 1730, 1730 now when the Maroons had managed to occupy a certain part of Jamaica and kept the British in fear, what started happening in other islands such as Trinidad and Barbados and Grenada, the St. Kitts and St. Lucia and St. Vincent, and the list just goes on. All those English-speaking islands, they all have these great hopes for freedom now. If these slaves or former slaves or people who refuse to be slaves can fight, we will fight. So you had two men, Bookman and Mackendow. Bookman was actually from Jamaica. And they sent him to Haiti because he was a problem. They called him Bookman because he was a man of the book. He would walk around with the Quran. And it was believed that he actually ripped the Quran himself from memory. This is what is believed. But we do have evidence of many Muslims went over the slaves who ripped the Quran from memory. Many of them. Some, one of them is actually in the British Museum. So he was a learned person and one-hand man. So there's a possibility that his hand, his hand was amputated because of the kind of rebellions he was causing in Jamaica and the slave owner had to sell him to another plantation. Um, they sold him to the French because if he was able to speak English to the other slave on the English-speaking islands, they would rise up. But obviously when he went to Haiti, many of them can speak some of the other dialects which he learned, also Arabic, and this is what caused it to happen. So he was the instigator. Mackendall as well was believed to believe another African Muslim ruler. And what I'm going to show you here is that majority in America and the Caribbean islands of those leads of resistance were religious people, whether they were Muslim, whether they were Christian or Jewish. Okay, they were leaders, they were people who should do sermons. This is what you're going to find out now. So there's an element of religious liberation that forces them to go back to the drawing board in order to liberate their people, to liberate their flock, their, you know, the flock of sheep. This is what comes out of these sort of ideas. So let's look at Toussaint, Toussaint Louverture, or Louverture. 
okay? He was born into slavery. His father was believed to be a king and prince. However, just like only some slave owners, he was allowed to read and write. His master actually allowed, taught him to read and write and allowed him to read and write. So for Saint Louverture had a different type of lifestyle. Okay, he was, he, was, he was quite different as a slave and he was treated pretty well, whatever the case may be. However, when the revolution came to head, he was scared for the slave owning family, mistreated him well. And he made sure that he got him out of Haiti before it erupted. Because he said, look, I'm going to join this rebellion movement. This is a revolution, okay? I'm in fear of you and your family. It's best if you go back to France. And this is what happened. And he also was taught medicine. And this is important. Many of the into the new world or to the Western world were medicine people. They were doctors. So they did medicine. If, um, surgery, physicianry, etc. So these are the important factors to know. So they're not just picking cotton and chopping down sugarcane. They had professions back in Africa, and those professions were recognised sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, and they were used usually to benefit the white aristocracy or the the planter class, the plantocracy, who would well, your planters, your merchants, and your men of profession. So let's have a look at this revolt because what happens is. French are coming back, talking about liberté, liberté. They've just become a republic. The monarchy is now destroyed after the so-called French Revolution. They just liberated themselves and they're going back to Haiti, talking about liberty, but they're still enslaving people. So this liberation was um, hip hypocritical. And many of the people in Haiti decided to rise up now. Okay, they've been trying to rise up now, but they collectivize. If these white Frenchmen who want to cause atrocities to us think that they're going to get away with it and come back comfortably, let them think again. So you've got the likes of Toussaint Louverture, you've got the likes of Dessalines, you've got Henry Christophe. There's so many leaders and commanders, and they have a sophisticated system to bring all those black together, even women were part of this movement as well, in order to bring about change. Because one thing they were going to make sure, they're going to kick these French colonizers out who's been causing abuse. If you read the works by C.L.R. James, it's called Black Jacobins or Jacobins. You will look at the horrific way that the French were treating the blacks on the island of Haiti. They would put gunpowder into their rectums and light it. This is what they would do. They would force them. They, they had animals. They would collect the manure and starve the slaves and give them manure to eat. This is what the French were doing. And I can go on even further what they were drinking and what, honestly, it was absolutely disgusting. A rebellion was needed on this island the way the French went too far with what they were doing. And the reality is the people had enough. So Toussaint joined the rebellion. He was a doctor for the resistance. So he started off as a doctor helping wounded soldiers. This is how he started off. But because he was educated, he was articulate, and people liked his nature. He actually made up the ranks and became basically the governor, okay, like a lieutenant governor of the island. Toussaint was loved by everyone who could appear in arms and resolve any situation. So literally this man can go anywhere if there's French and black Haitian fighters and he can go unarmed and both sides would literally, you know, cease fire to allow him to come in to negotiate. So it took a very special person to come into this revolution to bring about change. Louvois makes Toussaint assistant governor. Because Louvois was sent in by Napoleon, because this is during the Napoleonic Wars now. Napoleon is 
holding to this. He's taking bad advice from Josephine. A lot of people don't know that Josephine is from the Caribbean. She's mixed race. She has a hatred towards her people. And she's giving Napoleon advice to destroy these people. She does not want to acknowledge her black side. Even her and her sister used to have a lot of arguments. Because like, Josephine's sister was married to a black man from the Caribbean. So Josephine was giving him certain advice. She, she had a sense of self-hatred with the black blood that she had. And the way she was flaunting herself in French circles when Napoleon was on his thing was showing that she was looking for approval from white society. You have to look at it from a Caribbean perspective of what took place with um, mulattoes or colored females when they were in these type of arenas. Just like I read to you about how they trained black women in the Caribbean or colored women in the Caribbean to become sex servants and slaves to get what they want. And Josephine comes from that tradition. That's why she was doing what she was doing and caused Napoleon to lose some of his wars through what he was hearing. So you've got mulattoes fight against the blacks. So you have a large mulatto or colored population in Haiti and they take up the resistance but the problem is, is because their fathers are white, Frenchmen, etc., they start to want to have some sort of concession of allowing the French to stay there. So Toussaint's forces under the likes of Dessalines and Henry Christophe decided to go into regard, I think the area is called, and they had to put down the rebellion of these mulattoes who wanted French sovereignty in a way to maintain in, in, in the country while they were still so-called slaves. And he had to crush that, literally. So it's unfortunately that the mixture of the colored population had to go to war because what Toussaint had reasoned that if we do not put them down, we're fighting them on the front, they will join the French forces because their fathers the French, they got sympathy for France and all these other type of things. Southernax became the new governor now, said to kill all whites. So Southernax becomes a new governor after Louvois. And Southernax is basically telling Toussaint to kill all the white people. And what happened was the likes of Toussaint and Henry Christophe and all these other main commanders and leaders said, we need to get rid of this idiot because this idiot is going to cause more problems because it's not as if we hate white people, we hate their system. And they can take their system back to France with them. So Southern Axe was there to cause a lot of problems. You've had a few times in history where white people have been so-called sympathetic towards the black struggle, and they have said that we should kill them all, not even to trust them. There's even one which they said, well, don't even trust me because I'm from these people because we never keep our treaties and we never abide by contracts. We had many of these different individuals that came at these crucial times. And Southernax is one of those individuals. So Sam sent Southernax home and took control of the region. So he kicked them out because you're going to cause more trouble. And uh, what trouble Southernax should bring to the island? So the fact is that Southernax was making it a black and white thing. When the revolution was about a slave and a white and, and, and white aristocracy. That's what it was about. It was about the system, not about skin color. And this is one of the reasons why Toussaint was advised to send his idiot home because he's gonna cause more problems than what it is because we can win this war. He later began to create his own army, which led to 100 disciplined soldiers who he had trained well in combat, military strategy. He then increased his number after victory came. So as soon as he went from one place to another, more and more people started to follow, follow suit. Many of them began to train. They, made, they ended up making women, they ended up training women to train other women in order to fight the French. 
This is what happened. This was the most successful slave rebellion on the island. And this is how it was systematized. There was good communication. There was great understanding. They made sure they appointed the right people for the jobs in order to drive the French out. Because what the French had been doing, since they took the island off the Spanish, was totally horrific. The Spanish weren't even any better as slave owners. This is important here. And uh, the, African, uh, the Africans fight Spain and Britain. So France <laughs> yeah, calls in Spain and Britain to help them. This is what France is doing, this little island in the Caribbean, they have, you know, and France is supposed to be the mighty army. Britain is supposed to be the mighty army. This is in the 1700s, this is the latter part of the 18, latter part of the, 1800, uh, of the 18th century, the 1700s. This is what happens. And the two great powers at that time was France and Britain, and they had to call in Spain and Britain to help them. And you know what? The Haitians had kicked out the Spanish and they kicked out Britain as well. And Britain said, well, listen, this is your war, you France. You have to deal with that. These people are trained. These people are well organized. And this was going to bring about a major change in the region. The Spanish made a deal with Toussaint to fight the French. He accepted, provided that slaves would be free. So he's being a strategist now. So he is saying, okay, I will fight alongside you, etc. But, you know, you have to um, set these slaves free and the island which joins Haiti, which is Dominica. So he is basically saying, well, look, this is what it's all about. Haiti had got his independence in approximately 1804. Toussaint is tricked. Toussaint is said to basically go and speak to Napoleon's army uh, in order to negotiate something. Because what happens now, it bankrupts the French economy. Because the same year, the Louisiana Purchase comes in, where the French quarter in North America, known as Mississippi and Louisiana, were part of the French empire. The French had to sell that to the Anglo-Americans to financially recover, because three-fifths of the economy of France relied on Haiti. This is important here. So it buckled literally the French economy in 1804. Toussaint was basically led for negotiation. Dessalines and Henry Christophe told him, don't go, don't trust them, okay? Because they're gonna kidnap you and take you to France. He says, no, 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 no. They're good because Toussaint to a large extent was psychological, he was a Frenchman. He liked French culture, whatever the case may be, but, you know, and, and he did have a softness for the French. And they were saying, look, we've lived with them all our lives and we, they have never given us any favors. They've never done us any favors. So what happened was they went, Toussaint went, he went alone, he was tricked, he was tied up and he's brought to France, the Napoleon, and he was tied up in a dungeon cold dungeon, supposed to be butt naked until he dehydrated, he froze to death, and he literally starved to death. This is what basically, that was his fate. Dessalines was elected the leader of Haiti. And this is the first time in a democratic country, there's a democratic country now, because they allowed voting for both male as well as females in the country. So females voted in, along with the males, Dessalines to become their leader. And that is what happened. So the first people or females to vote in the Western world were black women from Haiti. So we need to look at this history because we're made to believe that the first time that women were able to vote or have some sort of political say 
was after 1920 in America and Britain. This is historically inaccurate, isn't it? And it's not true. Haiti is the first country. And then what happened was Haiti wanted to do business and it started, and what started happening, all types of things started to take place after 1804. And this is one of the reasons why Britain and America decided to um, pass the Slave Trade Act three years later. Three years later, they passed it. They didn't pass it because they woke up and said, let's do the right thing. They passed it because of the Haitian Revolution and more and more revolution was taking place in Grenada, in, in St. Kitts, Trinidad, Barbados, Jamaica, you know, and the list just goes on and on, you know, St. Lucia, all these islands start to erupt now and they want to take that element of what Haiti did of becoming republics. This is why they passed the act. This is why they passed it. It wasn't because they woke up, woke up one day and they were doing us a favor. And the other reason was, was in Africa in 1807, there was a Sokoto Caliphate, which was run uh, by Uthman Danfodio. And this is Nigeria, Lake Chad, all that area. So security was now being brought back into Africa. So you've got two major events to take place to, to, to force the slave trade. Uh, to force the slave trade um, abolishment. It wasn't because they woke up well. They couldn't get into Africa now because of the Sokoto Caliphate. They don't teach this in history. But if you read about the Sokoto Caliphate and the security came to the thing, it made it very difficult for Europeans to now capture and take in slaves. Because the other problem was that many of those who were coming out later on as slaves were going into places like Jamaica and Brazil and all these other places, and they were causing ruptures. They were causing problems to the point where they said, we're not going to take more because they're coming over and they're instigating this. That was why they passed the 1807 Act. Not what they're telling you, because only giving you one half of the story. Like Bob Marley says, only half the story of what half the story has never been told. That's the story we should know. I've given you two days, 1804, 1807, the Sokoto Caliphate comes into being. Those two things culminated in them passing the act in Parliament, not because they woke up and they wanted to do the right thing. So slavery rebellions increase in the 19, in the 1830s, and it gets even bigger and it intensifies even more now. So you start to see the likes of Abu Bakr Siddiq of Jamaica, who wrote the Quran from memory. He was a he was a doctor. He was a Mandinka, and he was speaking to a person by the name of Richard Madden. Now Richard Madden is supposed to be he was a magistrate sent to Jamaica, and he was based in Turkey. And what he noticed was when he was in Jamaica, he noticed these groups of Africans in Jamaica who were speaking Arabic. So he basically started speaking Arabic to them and they started to get all excited because he was stationed in Turkey, so he knew a bit of Arabic. So then he started to find out that these individuals were leaders, they were, you know, they were leaders, they were scholars, they were doctors back in West Africa before they were forced into slavery by the British. And basically, uh, Abu Bakr had dreams of going back to his lands. Uh, he ended up going back to his land and settling there after the 1830s, in which Richard Madden, who was a British magistrate, was able to um, secure for him. A lot of people thought that with my name being Madden, that I was probably related to him. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I've done my research, etc. Because they say, well, your name is Madden. You know, your name is also Abu Bakr. You're from, you know, your people are from Jamaica. Maybe there's some link there. But no, he only seemed to be there for about 12 months. 
because when I read Richard Madden's um, journals or diaries, he only seemed to be there for 12 months to oversee certain things, but he did have a bit of sympathy for the African Muslims which were there. Then Sam Sharp, the Morant Bay Rebellion, takes place in 1831. We get the we, we get Bahia Brazil sparks off in 1831. So in the 1830s, things starts to change. And then we start to find, and obviously Nat Turner in the, in the 1830s in America, in Virginia. So you're starting to see, these are religious leaders, like as they are all religious leaders, okay? They're all pastors and things who were trained by white people to keep their slaves down. They decide to come off the pulpit, go into the war and to bring about those changes. This is what they wanted to do. And um, this, is, this is how this culminated in making change, where the British were forced to pass the abolition of slavery three years or two years after this. So it's not that they woke up one day and wanted to do the right thing. Plantations were burning. The amount of yields that was not coming into Britain because why? Because rich merchants who bought political power and all the rest of stuff was losing a large amount of money. This is why they had to abolish it, okay? This is the truth, huh? you know, this is the hidden truth which they're not telling people. We got the likes of Paul Bogle. Uh, this is during the 1860s. This is during the Victorian period, etc., where Queen Victoria refused to, because if they were supposed to abolish slavery 30 years before, why is it that black people are still working in Jamaica, okay, there's other islands where I focus on Jamaica, are still working seven days a week for two days pay, three years after the abolition. So we move from physical slavery to wage slavery. And she wrote a letter back to Jamaica to one of the governors, basically saying to Paul Bogle, um, no, you're, you're there, you're supposed to work for the, for the queen, uh, for the monarchy, we rely on your, we rely on your labor for our wealth, for our lifestyle. Read the letters by Queen Victoria. And Paul Bogle, in actual fact, is a descendant of a woman who was a reggae singer um, by the name of Janet Kay. That's Janet Kay's great-great-uncle. Her name is Bogle, okay? So you have a person in Britain, lives in London, who's a singer. She was a lover's rock singer back in the 1970s and 80s. She still does singing now. Her name is Janet Kay. She's from this family, Paul Bogle. He's a, he's a ancestor. And then I see there, these are the islands which really erupted. North America, Nat Turner. Barbados, I think it was Mohammed Bar. Trinidad, there was another certain person. In Jamaica, you had the likes of Abu Bakr. And in Brazil, was, the, was Bahia, Brazil. But that was a Muslim revolt. And they were originally from Nigeria and Cameroon. It came there in order to instigate the rebellion because they found many letters written in Arabic where the slaves were able to read and all these other sort of things because in 1807 onwards, the Sokoto Empire was sending letters, okay? Because they lost security, that's why they banned it. They were sending letters into Jamaica. We have the Wafika in Jamaica, which was sent by Uthman Danfodio himself, the leader of the Sokoto Empire in Jamaica. Even letters that came from Uthman Danfodio was being sent to the likes of Trinidad and Brazil. And those letters have been as being, as being uh, forged in a sense that they're in the possessions of the different museums. So this is a type of communication which was taking place during the 1830s. Things were blazing and changing in the Caribbean islands.